You're listening to Monocle's House View, first broadcast on the 4th of October 2019 on Monocle 24. This is Monocle's House View coming up today. Have you always wanted to be a citizen of Montenegro and have about half a million euros lying about? Exciting news. Also ahead, the latest from Freeze from Monocle's editors. Plus, Fernando Augusto Pacheco's global countdown is back. I'm Andrew Muller. Monocle's House View starts now. And welcome to today's edition of Monocle's House View with me, Andrew Muller. Now, there are a great many worse countries whose passport one can hold than Montenegro's. Montenegro is beautiful, temperate, conveniently located, relatively well run, and Russia doesn't attempt a coup d'etat more than once a decade. Plus, Montenegro is a member of NATO, offers visa-free access to the Schengen area, and will probably join the EU in around 2025, and has a cool flag with a two-headed eagle on it. Montenegro has been talking talking for some while now about expanding its citizenry beyond the 620,000-odd folk who live there, and its passports are now for sale after a fashion. I'm joined with more on this by Monocle's editor, Andrew Tuck, also in the studio, uh, Monocle's senior editor, Rob Bound, and culture editor, Chiara Ramella. Um, Andrew, first of all, they're going to limit this to 2,000 applicants. It's not a total free-for-all, uh, nor is it cheap. Uh, 250 to 450,000 euros in investment required, 100,000 per application, and I quite like this, a 15,000 euro processing fee. Are you tempted? Well, we're going to have a conversation about freeze uh, in a minute. And can I just say that's short change if you're walking around freeze. You would you'd struggle to find something to purchase for that money. If they then repurposed Montenegrin passports as some sort of art installation, they could charge even more. Yeah, I know. That that, that would be a, a, a trick. Eh? So in the world of high net worth individuals who this is aimed at, it's nothing. It really is nothing. You, you, you have to remember that literally walking around freeze, it's good to segue in because it's the same audience in a way, high net worth individuals. There are people dropping a million here and, and in a way that's almost like going around a supermarket. They, they are not overly worried about it. Um, and I think this is the same for these people. This is, this is small change to secure an additional passport in many people's cases. They're perhaps nervous of their, their home country toppling or the, them losing power or their, their, them losing their, their foothold. This doesn't give you access to the EU at the moment, but as you say, this is a, a country that is seems to be on, on the right track for becoming a member of the EU. So once that happens, you'll be able to travel around the Schengen area. You can do whatever you want. You'll be bunched in with everyone else uh, in the EU. So potentially good and it does extend to your family as well so the interesting thing is you know we, we kind of think of it as a huge amount of money but as i say there are many people who are concerned about where they live and there are also some people who are kind of in an interesting position which are super rich but kind of stateless so you know that maybe you are iraqi for example mm. and you don't particularly want to move back with your family to baghdad where can where can you settle with your money? There's still large numbers of very wealthy Syrians who left, who whose cards are marked by the Assad regime, not particularly wanted now in Istanbul, potentially not that wanted in Beirut. Where could they put down a, a, a spot to call home? And actually, suddenly Montenegro looks nice, as you say. It's got it's got a nice harbour. It's got a, it has. 
It's uh, it's got a good uh, mooring place for your for your super yacht. It's... It 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 has that as well. But well, it, you it, should know, Andrew. You should know. <laughs> I do. I I have been there. Uh, I should stress that my experience of. Montenegro was writing a story there for Monocle, not parking my super yacht in the, in the, in the Bay of Kotor. I, I, I keep mine in Monaco. Um, but as you correctly point out, Andrew, there are, weird thought though it is, people in this world for whom that is chump change. Uh, that being the case, what would be the argument for Montenegro rather than just shelling out another half million or so and becoming an actual citizen of Malta or Cyprus, which are in the EU? Well, I think, the, first of all, it's, it's, it's not a huge amount, and it does extend to all of your family. I think that there are um, also appealing things for getting involved. Some of these people do want to be involved in industry and business and mm. make some money on their, on, their, on their cash. And there is an option here to invest in startup industries. And we should say that the lobbyists for this scheme they present it as a win-win for both sides. They they claim that actually for, for Montenegro, what they're going to get is access to a network of wealthy individuals around the world who have power and influence, who will be able to deliver something mm. uh, to... There is some, perhaps a little bit concern about who gets who these 2,000 are, and, and it's claimed that there's going to be due diligence and all that. But there are, I'm sure, some rogues out there who are, are looking for a home, and maybe it's a little bit easier to apply to a non-EU member at this point than a than an EU member. But just point out, for, for a Brit who wants to dodge the 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 brexit kind of like <laughs> chaos lots of people you know there's there's a very simple thing you can go to portugal you can buy an apartment for not a huge amount of money the the price of a wed one bed in london and you get a golden visa and you're on a fast track to having you know a portuguese passport without having to prove too many things within like five years even in spain if you buy a property there they they have they're a bit annoying they they like they like you to speak spanish as well you can get one after 10 years rob what do these adverts look like to become a montenegrin citizen well no because i really it's, it's it's a sort of it's a really strange world isn't it a, a country lobbying uh, or are advertising um, there, there in are, this way. I mean, there are other. I know it happens. I just yeah, there are other countries that do it. Malta and Cyprus, mm. even within the EU, do tout uh, their citizenship under certain conditions. Mm. A lot of countries in the world offer residency uh, under certain conditions, right. including the United Kingdom and Australia, and even the United States. But I guess there is a question there, which um, I will put back to you, Andrew, because your editor of Monocle, in which we talk a lot about uh, national brands and national image. Do you have to be careful about how you manage a programme like this that it doesn't make your country look a bit like it's operating a street corner store? Exactly, yeah. Well, I, do, I think there is a concern, but I think that many countries are concerned that they don't have enough cash to do the things they want. So in the Caribbean, for example, St Kitts and Nevis, which I advertise, I think, every time I pick up an in-flight magazine <laughs> on a well-known British airline, they have an ad there with their, you know, their smiling prime minister saying... Come and you know, come and be one of our citizens, and it's I think it's like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you get it. So it doesn't it doesn't look that good. But I think there's also it's like a gym membership for these places as well, because it's not like all these people are going to rock up and live there forever. They they want to get the passport, and the idea is that they'll give you the cash, and they they won't come bothering you that much. It's just so, like gym membership. Gym membership. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 ne you never go there. Isn't, that, isn't that what happens? <laughs> so, look, you know, we're all quite snooty about it, but, you know, okay, it's, it's a lot of money and I don't have that, I like the, that um, money to drop. But if I could buy another passport, yeah. I think I would, actually. Yeah. Why not? Um, I, like the, I like the honesty of the flag. 
a two-headed eagle. One's, yeah. it's, it's looking, it's well, looking, exactly. all, it's doing one thing and it's looking the other way. I Come mean, on, I, 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 I do have some <laughs> limited experience myself of, of buying a passport, which is to say that I think I paid about twenty US dollars for a blank Iraqi passport in two thousand and three, when boxes of them, which had been looted yeah. from the Interior Ministry, were being sold on street corners. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to keep it long because by that point, Jordanian customs officials had completely lost any sense of humour and took everything off us as, as we, we tried to leave the country. Uh, a friend of mine did get a dramatic oil portrait of Saddam Hussein out by rolling it up and wrapping it around one of his legs under his trousers. Wow. And it, it now hangs above his fireplace in San Diego. That's a, but that's but, uh, that, a keeper. But, but if more countries were, I guess, operating that sort of price... Mm. Um, I might get interested. Yeah. About yeah. 20 or $30. That sounds reasonable. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the Montenegrin one, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's good things about it. You enjoyed your... You enjoyed your uh, Very much. I, I, I have absolutely nothing but good things to say about Montenegro. It is a delightful place to visit. Okay. I, I recommend it entirely. Well, um, they've opened the scheme now, so uh, you have to get your applications in. They're going to be uh, looking through uh, the potential new members of their n- nation. Um, so... Get your hair cut. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's. That's about, you, but I'm talking the, to. Get your hair cut. Exactly. <laughs> there, there, tragically, there's about half a million other reasons why I suspect I'm, I'm going. To, I'm going to fall short of their requirements. Um, Andrew Tuck, uh, thank you for joining us, and do stick around because we will be talking about freeze shortly. Uh, you are listening to Monocle's House View. You're listening to Monocle's House View with me, Andrew Muller. Here in London, well, just over there in Regent's Park, to be specific, the Freeze London Art Fair is underway right now and will be until Sunday. More than 160 galleries are exhibiting more than 1,000 artists and among the as-yet unconfirmed number of attendees has been everybody else in this room but me, which is to say (laughs) Andrew Tuck, (laughs) Rob Bound and Chiara Ramella. Um, So I am obviously going to throw this open to the rest of you because I have literally nothing new to contribute. Um, Chiara, we will start with you as the culture editor. What has been the the overall mood of this freeze in general? I found it quite pleasant and reasonably busy on uh, Wednesday when I went. Quite pleasant and reasonably busy. They can can put that on the posters. (laughs) I think think that's good marketing, actually, yes. Um, No, I I find freeze very enjoyable to go to because, um, as my colleagues around the table will know, we do attend a lot of fairs and we go to a lot of the Basel fairs. And uh, those... uh, are part of the same kind of circle of affairs that everybody has to go around to the world to, to go and visit. Um, most of the Basel fairs are uh, much bigger than Freeze. And so despite the, the rise in kind of smaller and boutique fairs that are uh, very specific to the context in which they operate, um, I think a fair like Freeze is exactly the right size. Um, you can make a very good afternoon out of it. You probably don't get too overwhelmed. Um, and it's great people watching too. Kiara is obviously wearing sneakers. A comfortable shoe. Yes, always. <laughs> She's saying freeze is the right size. <laughs> um, I mean, Rob, on that thought, uh, for people such as me who have not been... Actually, I've been to freeze before, but not mm. this year. What is it like as a thing to visit? Um, well, it's, it's, quite a, it's kind of a bit like... Uh, to, to a certain extent, it's like walking into a nightclub when you're sober. 
Um, in the sense You're that not it is, selling it. No, in the <laughs> sense that it's an affront to the senses, and you kind of wonder what the hell's going on. But I was talking to Andrew about this, um, uh, about what we might run in the weekend, Monocle's Weekend Minute, actually. And we both had the feeling that actually leaving the fair, with the people, the art collectors, the artists, the, 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 the gallerists, the dealers, all kind of have a certain vibe. There's a party vibe. There's an upper echelon of, 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 of kind of crap about it to a certain extent. But it's quite an addictive um, arena in which to sort of operate, as a, as a, even as a journalist or whatever. Um, and so actually leaving the fair feels kind of a little bit sad. You kind of don't want to leave. It's a, it's a strange place. Um, it's, a, it's a crash for rich adult babies <laughs> surrounded by ruinage champagne and, and, and fantastically expensive contemporary art, all very, very old and wonderful art that's stood the test of time, which is Freeze Masters. So actually, it's a bit like um, being in the aura of someone famous. You kind of miss them as soon as they've walked out the room. It, it is a bit like that. Um, and that is, and this access to these sorts of people, this sort of sort of blue chip art, and this kind of blue chip experience is a strangely addictive one. Um, I guess which is why we've been covering it ever since the, the, the dawn of Monocle in two thousand and seven. Um, so yeah, so it's it's a tough thing to leave. I love it, and sort of, but but cock a snook at it possibly at the same time, <laughs> which I think a lot of people do, and it's understood that that happens. Uh, Andrew, a, a crash for rich adult babies on top of, what was it you said, Chiara? <laughs> quite, quite pleasant and reasonably interesting. Do, 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 do you have any contribution to make to what is clearly our attempt never to get invited by? Mine, mine was a good one. <laughs> so was mine. Yeah. Uh, I, I love it. I, yeah. I, I properly, pro- properly look forward to it. Because, as Rob says, it works on many levels. You know, there, there is a cultural story there. There is new work in, in in the main tent, but you do need to know one or two people or say hello to one or two people. Because, you know, for example, the uh, Esther uh, Schiffer, who has an amazing gallery in Berlin, we know a guy called David who who works for the gallery, and he was like, "Oh, come and see the stand." And then suddenly it's like, "Okay, first of all, this is all interesting because we're only showing art by uh, female artists this year, and actually we've represented female artists going back until the seventies. So you have a piece of video art here that's really interesting. Did you know that one of the the female artists we represent was doing fog installations long before someone famous now doing them down at Tate Modern? Anyway, so there was so suddenly there was a bit of you you, you got some perspective of his history you know a, a rebalancing of the the gender game in art but if there's a lot do, of knowledge there yeah there? if you yeah. don't have if you don't say hello to anyone you glide past work that seems you know torturously crazy and you just don't understand it so you need to say hello to a few people but on on top of this there is this you know whatever you think about the super rich there's 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 just a lot of them in one place. I said to Rob, there's a thing which I, I've nicknamed chauffeured chic, which is a kind of woman who knows that she will never be outdoors. So the car, <laughs> the, the car brings you to the door and you, you are in with, on your VIP card within a second. So it means that in the depths of winter when it's pissing down with rain, you arrive in you know, the kind of open high-heeled shoe that you might wear in the south of France you have a white trouser on you don't need to carry a coat you've got more jewellery on well you've got enough jewellery on your arm to buy several passports in Montenegro (laughs) (laughs) and there is there is 
just this wealth look. And then the, there's these other sets. There's like the, the Berlin galleries with their, their big glasses. There's there's people there just to be literally photographed. You know, suddenly there's Russell uh, Russell Tovey over there. There's Russell Grant. That's how good it is. Uh, but Rob, Rob, it's, had, every, Rob, every Russell from Rob, Tovey to Grant. Ro- well, Rob, Rob had the 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 best uh, kind of uh, celeb interaction I think of all of us. Yeah, so talking about the chauffeured, uh, the, the chauffeured chic, who is more chauffeured chic than the famous drag act RuPaul? I got no. on the Bakerloo line with him and his, uh, his partner um, after Freeze on RuPaul was on, on the Wednesday. Bakerloo line. But RuPaul on the Bakerloo line, just for one stop, but it was pretty squashed in there. I had... I had which, sorry. A, which, I have to ask which which one stop because th- this is an amateur's mistake anywhere in Zone One. It is literally well, quicker to walk. Regent's Park to Oxford Circus, which is understandable. Uh, it wasn't yeah, that fair nice enough. weather. I'll allow that. Yeah, it was. Um, but I had a uh, I had a plaster cast on my left hand, which was, a, was there's a lot of performative art. Um, there was a Chinese gallery that was doing this, uh, and I had a plaster cast. And he looked down at my hand and he was like, "I know where you got that." And I said. I know where you've I know where you've come from, and that was it. And then he got off at uh, a lot of people were sort of trying to snap him as much as you could. There was arms arms length to do so on the on a hot Bakerloo line at six p.m. on Wednesday <laughs> evening. But, but that was that that's exactly what Andrew's talking about. There is this guess, kind of strange guess, aura of and and sort of a, a, a arena of people. Guess who's got a, a slot on the the next drag race though? After, 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 after one Hello. stop. Um, before we I was move... just taking my jacket off. I just, I just do it in a certain way. Before we move off the subject of freeze, I do just want to charge round the table in a counterclockwise direction, which means I will be starting with you, Kiara. Just one thing you've seen that you really liked at freeze. I really enjoyed the woven section. I think it was really, really well done because uh, Andrew mentioned this thing about um, many galleries taking the occasion to show only female artists and clearly it's been a huge deal in the art world and beyond recently and I think Woven, a section dedicated entirely to textile um, works is very interesting because it moves the conversation on, uh, it takes textile works of art and challenges the idea that it, they're just feminine art and uh, and thinks about what other things they could be signifying like um, the issue of colonialism and such and my favourite was um, CN Direct at 1335 Mabini Gallery so that's my highlight. Andrew? Uh, again, partly because we, through Monocle, actually, he's been uh, in this very studio, a guy called Ryan Gander, a, a, a wonderful British artist. Uh, he is showing with a, a Tokyo gallery, and he's just shown very simple drawing works, but with these amazing kind of brush strokes in a kind of a, a calligraphy style, a calligraphic style, however you mm. say that, uh, a Japanese calligraphic style, which he's produced there. And they're beautiful. They're just uh, they're so simple and glorious. And then he had a nice joke in the corner, which was like uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, a vending machine, which just had pebbles in it, and it had a touch thing for your card that said, I don't think it would actually do it, but it said it would take uh, five hundred pounds off your um, credit card, and it would give you a pebble. And it was just a nice joke in the corner. But there was a it was a good mix of humour and beauty all in one spot and when once you've met the guy then you kind of realise how, how his brain works yeah, and it, was, good. it was good, good to see. Uh, and Rob, finally apart from the whole plaster cast earning you a meeting on the Bakerloo line with Rapal <laughs> thing, which, which sounds, sounds like, like a euphemism. It, it, it sounds like both a euphemism and an installation. Yeah. <laughs> it's both of those things and more. Um, I, in the, I think it's the focus section which is the sort of new galleries which, which do one artist um, 
newish gallery called the Sunday Painter. They're based in South London. But an, an older artist, he's in his 60s, called Nicholas Pope, British artist who works in Herefordshire. He, he, I didn't realise this, but looked him up later. He um, represented Britain in the Venice Biennale in 1980. Um, and he did these six huge sort of stalactites, which are sort of 13, 13 feet tall or something, um, which were beautiful. They looked like kind of crazy palm trees. And they were supposed to be an altarpiece for a fictional sort of gargantuan intergalactic chapel of a non-denominational church, which he's been building in his huge barn in, in Hereford somewhere. Um, and he was, he was urging me and uh, my colleague Augustine Machelari to put our hands in our pockets to buy them, um, which we, we couldn't fit them in the house. <laughs> um, but anyway, I thought that was lovely. And it's nice to see a young gallery, older artists doing kind of some of the kind of work, the strange, impossible to categorise work that Freeze actually used to be better known for than it is now. Well, that's Freeze in uh, Regent's Park. Until Sunday, Rob Bound, Andrew Tuck and Chiara Ramella, thank you for joining me. You are listening to Monocle's House View. You're listening to Monocle's House View with me, Andrew Muller. It is last thing on Friday, which very often means uh, that we are going to subject ourselves to Fernando Augusto Pacheco's Global Countdown. This is a fairly regular segment in which Fernando cultivates, curates, assembles, sorts, delineates, whatever you will, uh, the top five singles in some or other jurisdiction. Uh, This week... Fernando, uh, I understand... Well, I'm going to ask you two questions to which the answer is the same, which is, one, where have you just been on holiday? And two, where is the subject of this week's Global Countdown? Well, Japan. And, and, <laughs> and, no, and of course I had to choose Japan because, Andrew, this is a place where you can buy record stores in amazing shops. I mean, I never seen something like this. I always thought, you know, Germany was a good place, France as well. But I mean, Japan, they have rare editions of the most obscure artists that you're interested. So I bought quite a lot of compilations of Japanese super Euro beat, which is a faster beat than the usual Euro beat. Oh, good. It's, it, it was a fantastic experience. I, 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 we will get into the Japanese top five shortly. I did want to ask specifically about record stores, though. I annoyingly have not set foot in Japan for about 23 years, but I can remember that the record slash CD stores of Tokyo were something of an eye opener. I mean, they were jaw dropping. They were absolutely enormous. They appeared to stock pretty much every recording ever made by anybody ever. Is that? But this, of course, was before somebody switched on the internet. Is, is that? Is that still the case? It's still the case. I was surprised. And even in Shibuya, which is kind of the commercial district in Tokyo, they have trucks uh, performing loudly the latest singles that you can still buy in the record stores. So they don't say go to iTunes or something like that. Go to Tower Records. Go to Bonjour Records. I find that fascinating. Okay, well, let's now get into the top five. What are we starting with? Well, let's start with the gentle pop of Nogizaka 46. The song is called You Don't Have to Be Strong Until Dawn. Let's hear it. (laughs) That was gentle pop. 
It's very gentle. That's you, you got it right. I mean, so basically, <laughs> there are about 46 members to this group. It's it's quite a large one, uh, and and they go for a more kind of conservative look, schoolgirl uh, type. You know, they're not, uh, as you say, they're very gentle. They're singing the rain, uh, but they are profitable business. I mean, they have a radio show, a theater production, a TV show, and even films uh, made based in this group. So you know, they are big in Japan. All 46 of them. Uh, at number four, we have. Uh, a singer-songwriter, uh, again, very gentle. He's Kenshi Yonetsu with Horse and Deer. There's a Japanese Ed Sheeran, good to know. Exactly. Well, the only interesting thing, I mean, if you look, I mean, uh, most of those Japanese acts, you know, as I say, they're groups with 46 members and they have all sorts of producers and, and songwriters. I mean, Kenshi Yonetsu, I mean, to be fair with him, he does write his own songs. I mean, I, I'm not sure that's much of a boast in his particular case, if that is representative. <laughs> Perhaps. It's my least favorite song from the top five, I have to add. Well, coincidentally, so far, it's probably <laughs> mine as well, but that may change. There's still three more to go. What's at number three? It's the delightful pure pop of the band called ABC to Z. ABC means Athletic Boys Club and the song is called Dan Dan Dance. That's that's just horrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I love I love the song, but I love how they use the English language sometimes. I, I find it, you know, dan dan dance, you know, and and there the is is that a a kind of refrain or riff on the word dance there, or are they issue an inst- issuing an instruction to someone called Dan? <laughs> no, I, I think it's just uh, because of the word dance, and they they decided to play play with it. Nobody uh, called Dan is involved in this in any way. I believe not. I believe not. And okay. and there are only five members of this group. Only so the I, five. Only the five. As not forty six. Opposed to the 46, which appears standard. If there's 46 people in a Japanese pop group, seriously, what are about 43 of them actually doing? Well, because I think that they, they, they take rounds. So, for example, if, if, if there's a theatre production, <laughs> I don't think they use all the 46. I mean, if you're sick, you go to them in the next day. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a bit like an American football team. There's 55 people in the team, but only 11 are on the field at any one time. Exactly. And I think they're the, okay. to- the, top, the top 10 as well from the group as well. So the ones that do kind of more publicity campaigns and this kind of stuff. But there's, there's hundreds of these groups, Fernando. Everybody in Japan must be in a pop group. <laughs> exactly. You, you you're probably lucky you got out when you did. Anything could have happened. Um, at number two, we have... Number two is another trend. I mean, the band is called Aquas, or apparently said Aqua, but they, they write in a different way. And it's based on a manga. That's another thing. So soundtracks for mangas are quite big in Japan. These are the comic books full of people with big eyes. Exactly. So I couldn't actually really see the the people, the, the real people who is behind the band. I just see like a cartoon with nine schoolgirls. So I presume <laughs> they are Aqua. Uh, the song is called... Horizon. Let's have a listen. Oh, 
That sounds like somebody put a Bruce Hornsby in the range album on at 33 RPM and then and then gradually turned it up so when the time the vocals come in it's doing 78. But they have good intentions, Andrew, I have to say, because, you know, the story... <laughs> there's, there's a lot of obvious responses you know, to that. the story in the manga was based, apparently the school was kind of going to close down because they have no funds. So the girls, they decided to become idols and sing to save their own school. Okay, Um, we have 30 (laughs) seconds left, uh, Fernando, which is about enough time to give Japan's current number one the the serious analysis it doubtless richly merits. Quite political, actually, this (gasps) one. Uh, Well, political, let's say. It's called IZ-1. They're a South Korean Japanese group. And in this period of tensions between two countries, it's quite remarkable they are number one. This is a a whole hands-across-the-water thing going on here. The song is called Vampire. I, I will grant that that is marginally better than actual open armed conflict between Japan and South Korea. I would be prepared to concede that much. It's a great, it's a great song. And IZ1 is one of my favorite groups from Japan at the moment. That was Fernando Augusto Pacheco. That is all for today's show. Monocle's House View was produced by Daniel Bache. Our studio manager was David Stevens. Coming up at 2000, a brand new edition of The Menu with Marcus Hippie. We'll hear what London's Carousel restaurant has learned by welcoming 150 top chefs from around the world to its kitchen over the last five years. Monocle's House View returns on Monday at 1800 London time. I'm Andrew Muller. Have a great weekend. <laughs>